Well, welcome. This is your alternative football show on the left side. And there goes Morata now, and he scores! Who needs Diego Costa? Hello, I'm Jim, and thank you for joining me once again for your regular roundup from the weird world of football. We start in Argentina this week with the question, what makes South American football so alluring? Is it the exotically named players? Is it the visions of barefooted beach football? Is it the names of legends like Diego Maradona and Pele that go hand in hand with the continents? No, it's the TV coverage. For starters, football commentary just sounds better over there. Take this for example. Just feels exciting, doesn't it? And it's even better when you know that the event being commentated on there is a dog on the pitch. Yet the purge of Sunday League up and down the land is also an ongoing concern for players in the Argentinian Premier Division. And it all kicked off after a doggo stole the ball in San Lorenzo's game against Arsenal de Sarandi. And as if the excited reporter commentating on the dog isn't enough, Argentinian TV took it one step further by actually interviewing the dog after the game. That is 100% genuine, and I love it. You just wouldn't get that on Match of the Day. The dog turned out to be a stray, and it's now been adopted by the club as a lucky mascot. Meanwhile, back home, the chances of a dangerous, rabid animal spoiling a good game of football were dramatically reduced this week, as Chelsea finally agreed to let Diego Costa move to Atletico Madrid. In a lesson for spoilt children everywhere, after point-blankly refusing to even consider playing football in South London again, the incredible sulk got his own way and engineered his Blues exit for a fee of 57 million quid. 57 million quid for a player who doesn't really want to play football may seem like a lot of money, but having bought a coffee in the train station the other day, it's certainly not the first overpriced coster I've heard of. That'll be £7.50. Chelsea, however, don't appear to be missing the Brazilian-turned-Spanish striker too much. His replacement, Alvaro Morata, netted a hat-trick against Stoke this weekend, and all in all, there seems to be a bit of a love affair developing between him and manager Antonio Conte, who said this of his new target man. I like him. He's a very polite player. I like this. He's a really good guy. It means if you have a daughter, you'd be open to have this type of person marry your daughter. Is this a new part of contract negotiations, offering up your offspring as a make-weight in any future transfer dealings? Is this how Tony Poulis managed to get Kurt Zuma from Chelsea? Some kind of weird dowry involving his firstborn? What's particularly weird here is that Conte's daughter is still only nine years old, which asks a whole load more questions than it answers. Maybe that whole Adam Johnson thing was just a contract negotiation. The nicest thing about the Morata hat-trick was that after the club requested it, Chelsea's fans stopped singing an offensive anti-Semitic chant concerning the player and replaced it with the much more innocent version. Alvaro, oh, he comes from sunny Spain, he's better than Harry Kane. He's not, but it's nice they stopped singing the offensive version. And it's more that can be said for fans of Manchester United right now. A right old kerfuffle has broken out at Old Trafford after anti-racism group Kick It Out suggested fans might like to stop singing a song that contained a delightful reference to the size of their new striker Romelu Lukaku's penis. He's 
impressed that was. Completely ignored by Reds fans watching this weekend's 1-0 win over Southampton. The club have said they will identify the people responsible using CCTV and it's also caused quite a stir on social media with a surprising number of football fans ferociously defending their right to sing songs about another man's meat and two veg and has prompted some very David Brent-esque conversations. It's not an insult though, is it? It's a compliment, if anything. So what you're saying is that black people ought to be flattered that their only achievement in this world is having oversized genitalia? I'm saying they shouldn't be ashamed of them. It's a myth. I don't know, Jennifer. I could show you a magazine where... Could you? Well, I haven't got it with me, but... Well, how could it possibly be a bad thing then? It can't be racist if it's considered positive. Can it? Lukaku has also asked fans to move on and stop singing the song. And I'll be honest, racist or not, I'm not sure it's the kind of thing that anyone should have to put up with in their place of work. If I walked into my local Weatherspoons and started singing songs about any of the bar staff's massive genitals while they were trying to do their job, I'd probably be arrested. Or at least that's what the police said would happen if I did it again. That said... I guess it is quite flattering. If it was genuinely a song about his junk and not a generalisation based on race, then maybe it might be okay. In fact, if anyone wants to start singing songs about my massive schlong if they see me walking around in public, then they can go right ahead. In fact, I positively encourage it. Maybe not. The real point here is that just because some people see it as a positive stereotype attached to a race, it doesn't mean it's not racist. And probably those same people also attach some less positive stereotypes to the same race. At the same time, it doesn't mean those people are necessarily racist. Personally, my view is that using any type of stereotype or wild generalization is a negative, be it by sex, race, interests, whatever. If you are pigeonholing people based on one tiny aspect of their lives or background, it's not good. But I wouldn't expect football fans to understand that, of course, because they're all idiots. <laughs> See? Speaking of massive dicks, though, let's talk about Piers Morgan. The greatest story of politics meets journalism meets football happened this week, and it all starts off sounding like the setup for a joke. A Labour leader, an Arsenal footballer, and an ex-journalist walk into an awards bash. The story goes that Gunners fan Jeremy Corbyn and Hector Bellerin were chatting at a fancy after-show bash when fellow gooner Piers Morgan wanders over to join the conversation. And this is where it gets good. In order to avoid chatting to Piers, Jeremy and Hector switch instantly to speaking in Spanish, causing Morgan to go off and bore others elsewhere. Genius. Although maybe it was an extreme measure, because as at Toffee Doug pointed out on Twitter... Talking knowledgeably about football would have been enough to exclude Piers Morgan from the conversation. Plus, if Piers really wanted to find out what they were talking about, why didn't he just hack into their voicemail like usual? Now, if you excuse me, I just need to complete my emergency Spanish cause that I've decided to undertake. That's us done for another show. Football has been funny. If this is your first time or your 10th time, make sure you subscribe today to the show so you get the next one downloaded straight to your MP3 device as soon as it's ready, especially if you currently listen on Audio Boom, as we're soon going to be moving on from those lovely folks to a brand new platform. So if you want to keep track of the podcast wherever you go, click the subscribe button today and I will see you soon. Bye.
Whoa! On the left side. That was on the left side by Ant and Jim from Abrupt Warrior.